Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. It's Tuesday, the 24th of October in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, Hamas frees two more hostages from Gaza as the US sends more forces to the Middle East. Barclays disappoints in its latest results with a poor performance from its investment bank and signals structural cost-cutting ahead. And bond bears beware. Billionaire investors Bill Ackman and Bill Gross abandon their short position on US Treasuries. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. The latest in employment data from the UK, looking for that number for the June to August unemployment rate at 4.2% now using the new calculation for UK jobs data and also some breaking news on those jobs figures on UK employment falling 82,000 in the three months ending in August the claimant count rate at 4% and that is holding steady to the previous reading these are the figures for September. Let's get to more of our top stories this morning Hamas has freed two more hostages from the Gaza Strip the two elderly women were released to the International Committee of the Red Cross while more than 200 others are still being held by militants. The move is giving some Israeli officials calls to rethink the scope of a planned ground invasion of Gaza. Bloomberg's Michael Heath says the releases are helping diplomatic calls for restraint. This movement of people coming out encourages leaders to encourage Israel to engage and, and to, to hold off in terms of the ground invasion until they can get more people out. Uh, Qatar and Egypt negotiated this, this release. So at this stage, uh, we're still waiting on the ground operation and obviously there's still talks going on with the hostages. Um, President Joe Biden has said once the hostages are released, we can start talking about a ceasefire. Our reporter Michael Heath pointing out that US President Joe Biden appeared to suggest a ceasefire could be discussed if all hostages were released. Well, one of the two women freed in Gaza was a British citizen. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak told MPs Hamas must be held accountable. Hamas is not only a threat to Israel, but to many others across the region. All the leaders I met agree that this is a watershed moment. It's time to set the region on a better path. The Prime Minister also announced more money for aid for Gaza. Only a fraction of normal supplies are currently being allowed into the territory. The EU's chief diplomat, Joseph Borrell, says aid is his top priority. We have to start thinking of how to revive the political process. But the priority at that moment is to make humanitarian support going into Gaza. Joseph Burrell, the EU High Representative on Foreign Affairs, calling, uh, joining the international calls for restraint. China's Foreign Minister Wang Yi reiterating that Israel must protect civilians and abide by humanitarian law, even as it has the right to defend itself. Some of the bond market's most prominent bears are saying the route in US Treasuries has gone too far. Pershing Square founder Bill Ackman says he's unwinding his bets against US government bonds. Bloomberg's Shanali Basak explains why. 
The reason he is taking off this short position now is he says there's too much risk in the world to remain short bonds at current long-term rates. The economy is slowing faster than recent data suggests. So that implies uh, worries about a further bid in the bond market, perhaps a haven bid as the economy starts to slow down. As Shanali Basak notes, Ackman's scepticism on the health of the US economy stands in contrast to surprisingly strong recent economic data. PIMCO co-founder Bill Gross agrees with Ackman. He's predicting a recession by the end of the year and says he's buying short-dated interest rate futures. The Bank of Japan has announced an unscheduled bond buying operation, the fifth since tweaking yield curve control in July. Traders are testing the central bank's resolve ahead of next week's policy meeting. The BOJ's loose policy is also contributing to the depreciation of the yen, which is the worst performing group of 10 currency this year. And those are your top stories on the programme this morning. On the markets, Eurostox 50 futures are flat to the upside at the moment. The MSCI Pacific Index is three-tenths of 1% higher and the 10-year Treasury yield is a basis point lower at 4.84%. Well, let's turn to the latest from the Middle East, those release of two more hostages, a lot more still being held by Hamas, though. Another call, too, between the US President Joe Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu discussing US deployments to the region, among other issues. Bloomberg's EMEA News Director Roz Matheson joins us now for more. Good morning to you, Roz. The release of two more hostages uh, from Gaza, how significant is that and what does it tell us about the, the effectiveness of diplomatic efforts being made to release them? Well, certainly it's terrific news for those women and their families mediated, as you were saying earlier, by Qatar and Egypt to get them released. But of course, it leaves more than 200 still there. Um, and it's moving very slowly if we're getting a couple of hostages uh, released at a time. Uh, it's it's hard to see how long this is going to take to, to get them all released. And of course, the thorny question for Israel is that Hamas doesn't show any inclination to negotiate the release of Israeli citizens. The ones who can be released potentially are those who might hold U.S. citizenship or British citizenship or dual citizenship. But if you're an Israeli national, it becomes far more complex. Hamas doesn't seem to be interested. And of course, Israel's own policy of negotiation there might come in. And so it's it's this is very slow going. Uh, very good news, obviously, overnight for those two women. Um, but the, the broader sort of frame of this does seem to be uh, the perception that until there's greater progress on the hostage front, that it's not the best thing for Israel to be considering a full ground war. Yes, and we've been reporting, in fact, about the pressure on the government in Israel to rethink the scope of a ground invasion of Gaza. What more can you tell us about that? Well, that does seem to be the way things are going, and not just because uh, of the discussions Israel might be having with the US and other allies, but also um, the conversations within Israel. There's a sense that the Israeli military feels they're ready to go. Uh, They've been mobilizing troops uh, for weeks, 300,000 or so in the area. They've been bringing a lot of equipment to the area. They've been stepping up the aerial bombardment of Gaza. That's been intensifying day by day, and they're very much ready to go. So it's a political decision at this point when or how to go in. And there seems to be a sort of a, a, at least a, a forceful conversation going on within uh, the uh, the establishment of Israel, like whether to go in, how to go in, whether to have a more targeted um, invasion after time, whether 
the aerial bombardment can do some of the work that they seek in terms of their efforts to wipe out Hamas, which was responsible for the October 7 uh, attack on Israel. So there's a lot of conversation going on, not just externally, but also within Israel itself. Meanwhile, we've had the first comments from China's Foreign Minister Wang Yi. What should we be reading into what we heard from him? It will seem to be echoing what's been said by other Chinese officials in recent days, including uh, President <clears throat> Xi Jinping last week, and that he's saying, yes, they understand the need of every country uh, to defend itself, and they appreciate that Israel needs to protect its civilians, but um, also saying that um, civilians must be protected in all of this. And, and China's stated position, of course, is a two-state position. They support the establishment of a Palestinian state. Um, they've expressed concern about the humanitarian situation inside Gaza. They've been a bit careful about criticizing Hamas directly um, and condemning them for their attack on Israel. So they're walking very much a traditional China foreign policy line, I should say, on this issue. Um, so the comments from the foreign minister, Wang Yi, who, who of course is um, going to be meeting uh, with US officials later this week ahead of a possible meeting between Presidents Biden and Xi Jinping, he's very much walking the line there, which is of China wants to support Israel in this moment, but is also sort of stopping short of very strong condemnation of Hamas. Um, at the same time, Raz, we've had Emmanuel Macron arriving in Israel this morning. There was a meeting of EU foreign ministers yesterday, uh, which they, they didn't come to an agreement about calling for uh, this humanitarian pause. This is something that's now going down the line to an EU leaders meeting later this week. That's right. It's interesting they call it a pause. I mean, really what they're saying is that whether they should call for a ceasefire Um which means Israel stopping its aerial attack uh, on Gaza, but also Hamas stopping its continued attacks um, into Israel. But Macron is particularly interesting in this, and he is there in Israel today, as you say, because he's been quite strong in the past, just sort of calling also for the creation of a Palestinian state and expressing concerns about encroachments as he sees it into the West Bank. So whether if he sort of makes those comments again, on Israeli soil. It'll be interesting to see how warmly welcomed he truly is. He's possibly the least close uh, leader of Europe to the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Um, he's always, as I said, been quite forceful in his comments about um, supporting a Palestinian state. Of course, he will um, express, as, as other leaders have, their horror what happened to Israel. Um, but he may also make those comments about Palestine uh, to the Israeli leader. So it'll be interesting to see whether he gets quite the effusive welcome that other leaders have. Okay, Rosalind Matheson, our EMEA News Director, thank you very much for joining us with the latest developments uh, from the Middle East this morning. Um, and we will continue to follow that, of course, throughout the programme here as well. We're looking at, we've seen live pictures of Emmanuel Macron uh, stepping off the plane there in Tel Aviv this morning. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. 
Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Well, let's turn to financial matters next and the latest results from Barclays this morning. Their CIB revenue for the third quarter missing the average analyst estimates. Let's get the details now from Jenny Serain, who's our UK and EMEA finance uh, team leader. Jenny, great to have you with us this morning. Can you walk us through, first of all, the headlines from Barclays numbers? Yeah, I mean, I think so far what we're seeing is um, a lot of misses and, um, you know, both the trading revenue is quite short of what analysts were expecting. I think the outlook is also not quite what folks were expecting. So it seems like we are um, really experiencing a lot of down arrows here and 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 just a lighter quarter than what think what folks really predicted. What about the the outlook that we heard about uh, that we're seeing kind of commentary around in the statement from the CEO as well? Are, are things looking brighter or are still more trouble ahead? No, I think it's definitely still more trouble ahead. So they had a pretty clear warning for folks. They said that they are actually evaluating actions um, to further take down their structural cost base. Um, and so I think, you know, we've already reported on a lot of layoffs at this company. I think we're going to be um, seeing a lot more of that. This is interesting because it's on a day when we're looking at results, of course, from some of the big European banking names after we've had the reporting season already uh, in the United States as well. I mean, how how does the picture compare when you think about the challenges facing the big Wall Street names and and a player like Barclays, which at one stage, of course, was considered um, a serious rival, but very different position it's in today? Yeah, it's interesting because I do think we across Wall Street, we're seeing banks like really try to take a you know rain in costs and and really take stronger firmer actions on expenses and so you see more of that from Barclays today they're warning that you know we are taking cost actions and that that could actually result in material charges um, and so in one sense they're on on the same page in another sense you know trading is such a um, Feast or famine business. And so while we've had a lot of companies come out and beat on trading, you've had Citigroup, you've had Bank of America beat on trading, um, you see Barclays, you're missing. And, and so I think this is just an example of, um, you know, why investors sometimes uh, are hesitant to believe in trading businesses because it can just be something that, you know, either really beats and, and carries the bank or it can be something that, um, you know, misses and, and, and causes a greater worry. When we think about where I suppose the the, the situation is going to improve, I, I'm, I'm mindful that uh, CS Van Katakrishnan spoke, the CEO of Barclays spoke to our colleague Francine Lacqua on the In the City podcast recently on Bloomberg, uh, saying that a deal-making revival still looks a little further away. Um, these figures would seem to present a fairly pessimistic picture, perhaps making uh, CS Van Katakrishnan's comments look a little understated when it comes to the outlook. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. And I think, you know, I, a lot of, we started out this year and a lot of bank CEOs were willing to say that the third quarter was when that rebound would happen. And they thought the second half was going to be their moment for investment banking. And I mean, these results today and what we've seen across the the banking industry so far this year, 
um, that hasn't come to fruition. And so I think you've seen a lot of, of big bank CEOs really walking back those comments and saying, we can't, we can't call a moment. We can't say when this rebound is going to happen. Um, and you just, these results obviously show that, I mean, it's, it's, it hasn't happened yet and it's hard to, it's hard to know when that could come back, especially, you know, when you've got central banks around the world still hiking interest rates. Um, I think a lot of corporate CEOs are still on the sidelines and, and you just see more of that today. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.